Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have an awesome episode for you guys today. I feel like I say that a lot lately, but they keep being awesome. We have one of our favorite returning guests today, PD Webb, who you might know as at Above the Break Three on Twitter, who writes for Cerebro Sports, which Gavin is a company that I can't even begin to explain in layman's terms the amount of cool stuff they're doing with scouting and changing the way that people look at basketball at all levels. And we're talking some draft with PD in this first of a two-part episode. Yeah, we first look at a macro view of the current Knicks young players and, and what their biggest need is. Then we talk about trading up. Is it worth it? Who should they target if they do? And then finally go over some of the wings that could be available at 11 and their respective strengths and weaknesses and how they fit on the Knicks. I can tell you guys there's no one better uh, in the world, at least that we have access to. But I, I'll just say in the world than PD at doing this stuff. So get ready for a good one. All right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Stop. With the five, Willis for the win. Yes! Up and left. Now fires it. He's good! And he's fouled! And he's fouled! Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcasting platform or if you made the jump to YouTube and like to see our smiling faces every day. We love seeing yours right back. Even though we can't see you through the screen, you can pretend like we're looking back at you. Uh, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrict.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, doing the most games of any play-by-play broadcaster in the history of play-by-play broadcasting right now, uh, working his way through the end of the high school sports season. And I've already introduced the guest. We've already talked about it enough. PD Webb, amazing guest here who's going to give us some really great insights on some prospects. I won't hold this back any further. Let's get right into it. All right. We are joined by our very special guest today. We have PD Webb, who you might know as at Above the Break 3 on Twitter. He's a writer at Cerebro Sports, where they're doing basketball stuff that is, quite frankly, beyond my realm of understanding. So much so much uh, advanced looks at guys day, you know, going all the way back to high school, trying to create uh, uh, informed uh, statistical and, and scouting opinions to give to various people in the basketball industry. PD, I, I, I hope I sold that correctly in layman's terms, but how are you doing? How's the draft cycle treating you? Uh, are, are you feeling good at this point? Because we were talking before the show that a lot of your work is, is sort of semi-done at this point now it's just sort of like housekeeping up until the draft but like how are you doing and how's this draft cycle been treating you well it's uh, it's wonderful to be back in uh in my adopted fandom you know um, <laughs> it's great I, to have you back. feel like i feel like more than anything else you know me and me and nick's fans have been been real tight uh, unfortunately you guys are back you know where, where we kind of started um <laughs> but you know it means a little bit more of me so, so selfishly i'm i'm excited for it um yeah you did it you did a wonderful job of, of i guess describing what we do for me i just think of it as giving basketball people tools um to to you know help in in their process in any way we can um you know and it doesn't, it can be as complicated or as, as simple as, as they go out. But, you know, this, this cycle is, I think the, 
the flattest cycle that since I've really like really been deep in this about what half a decade now and uh and so you have a, a draft where like it's not insane to have like the 10th best person you know in, on someone's board be number one on somebody else's um for for team fit so i think that this is going to be this is a class that's really about uh where the where the franchises are how you evaluate talent and you know what your approach is going to be for next year um, which you know is the uh the alpha and omega class um, in terms of uh, the talent coming in. So, you know, you bring up your adopted fandom of the Knicks and we certainly adopted you as well. We, especially on our show, we always love having you here and talking basketball with you around draft time. Uh, I'm kind of curious what's your, you know, you just mentioned that this draft cycle, maybe more so than, than the usual is going to be dependent on how teams view their own young talent, what holes they're looking to fill that sort of thing, because of the flat nature where, maybe you feel a little more confident drafting for fit than just BPA than usual, you know, because of the the overall flat nature of the draft after those first few guys. Um, I'm kind of curious what your gauge is on the Knicks young talent. Obviously they have Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin that really showed out to end the year. Uh, RJ Barrett had a phenomenal, honestly, just whole calendar year of 2022, you know, the, the back, I don't know, 60% of the season or so. Uh, had a had a really good showing and sort of started taking his his reps as the number one guy on the team for better or worse. His efficiency was not the best, but his his getting to the foul line efficiency or uh, you know free throw percentage, you know that sort of stuff was was looking better. Uh, then you have like Mitchell Robinson, who might be on his way out, but Jericho Sims, who looked like a real steal at pick fifty eight this past year. You have Cam Reddish, who's like this really intriguing dude that. We haven't really gotten to see much of yet. You have Quentin Grimes, who looks like another rotation player drafted with the 25th pick in the draft. I mean, if you're if you're looking at the Knicks right now, what are you thinking about their young talent and sort of the – I guess how would you, like, rank their stable of young talent here? If you were going to, like, do you think that they've done a really good job amassing, like, a good young core here? Do you think there's still some work to be done? Like, what what do you think is missing? What do you think they've gotten right so far? I don't know, very broad question, but just what's yeah. your broad thoughts about the Knicks? I mean, I think that a lot of people compare, like, the draft to craps, um, which uh, uh, I always I don't really think of it that way. I think the draft is a little bit closer to, like, five-card stud, where it's just like, how many cards are you going to keep? And, like, do, are you just going to say hit me? And I think that, like, most of this Knicks young core is pretty set. Like, this is most likely where they're going to be um, maybe up and down the pecking order, but like this is a cohesive unit, you know, the, it works in the theory, like it, it works in practice. It works in theory. It's just, you know, is there going to be another ball handler? You know, how much, uh, how much RJ Barrett starting a possession as the, as the primary initiator is, is optimal. Um, you know, it is, it is a cohesive plan. Um, so I don't think that like there's a need to like flush guys really broad, like broadly, um, that being said, like this team needs advantage creation in the worst way. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of rewarding to hear you say that because I think that's a perspective that Alex and I have had on this podcast, but it's sometimes hard to tell if the Knicks share that opinion where, where there is some kind of certainty there that, Oh wait, we do have a real piece in an Emmanuel quickly. We do have a real piece in an OB top and, and, and what real piece means that's, it's up to the person and, and there's different levels of that. And whether that's those rotation players going forward or starters going forward or potential stars going forward, who's to say, but I, I think the idea that the Knicks have like an empty cupboard and I'm not saying like, 
people who know what they're talking about are putting that out there, but maybe some mainstream folks still have that opinion um, is a little ridiculous and outdated. I, I guess given that PD, there have been a lot of rumors of late of the Knicks uh, potentially trying to move up in this draft, or at the very least of teams trying to trade down, Sacramento, Indiana, Portland, all mentioned recently, just from a value proposition perspective and, and the type of player that you think the Knicks potentially need to round out this young group do you think it makes sense to trade somewhere in that four to seven range and potentially give up an asset, whether that's a Julius Randle, whether it's a young guy currently on the team, uh, one or multiple future first round picks to move up? Or given that aforementioned somewhat flat nature of this draft, does it make more sense for the Knicks to sort of hold on to all their gunpowder and just stay at 11? Um, so like good news, bad news. Um, I don't think that like there is a a like a huge difference in terms of players available that like suit the Knicks needs from like four until eleven. Um, that like this draft's flatness works in a very specific way. Um, that that like can sort of help the Knicks because the, a lot of the players that they will, like that fit their needs um, aren't going to be taken in that area. Um, the bad news is that it's that way because nobody can create an advantage in this class. Like that's the thing that this class is like uniquely poor at is advantage creators. So like, I think that trading up uh, anything that involves picks in the year 2023 should like be a non-starter. Like, because getting a, a top 10 pick in 23 is like, even the concept of a top 10 pick in 23 is like having a top five or a top four pick this year. The, the talent is just so much higher and, and those are those are probably like the best assets broad like a, a lottery pick and just a lottery ticket to potentially get you know like scooter or, or victor or the twins or something um is some of the best assets in the league and having that flexibility um is going to be important until the day that draft happens so i i don't think that that's meaningful i also don't think that there's somebody there like this is not a year where there's like one perfect advantage creator and if you don't get that person then like there's nothing there's kind of just not that thing that solves their problems so there's like not a plug and play sort of like the stereotype of kids where you just like you want a solution and you're just going to play them until the wheels fall off like that guy's not here um but there are a number of people who could develop into um into that sort of advantage creator or Another wing who can, you know, work uh, second sides and then letting, you know, this process play out or maybe, you know, trading Julius to try to find a, a, you know, a point guard who can do those things. And just, you know, going for the stocking the stable further to see as people grow. Because like one of the, for all of the critiques of Tibbs as, and, and this particular um, decision-making group of being like uh, old school minded, the players have like gotten better year over year. Like the player development has been very good, so there is there is a virtue in just having more uh, more hands at play there. All right, we'll be right back in with PD Webb talking about some of the best wings that could be potentially available to the Knicks and what advantage creation they could potentially have. You've you've all learned about that term now, so now you, you know what we're talking about here. But I got to tell you guys real quick about Built Bars, and I mean Built Puffs are amazing and they keep coming out with all these flavors that keep making me go like ah oh, dude i thought i had my favorite but now there's a new favorite in my life and now they've done it again we now have brownie batter puffs that is a real thing that exists and i mean i love brownies but 
I, I always find myself eating like half the batter before I even put the brownies in. I, I wind up with like really thin brownies most of the time because I, I eat so much batter. So, you know, it is what it is. It's a nine by nine pan gets gets small real fast. Uh, but you know what? Like, it's not good for you eating brownie batter, but it is good for you eating brownie batter built puffs because you're getting all that great taste in a protein infused marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. I, I don't know how better to phrase that for you to buy it. So I won't even bother trying, but I will let you know that unlike real brownie batter, which is full of, I mean, among other things, Lots of calories, lots of fat, and also probably raw eggs. So, like, definitely don't do that. It's it's not a good idea. Uh, brownie batter puffs have none of that. They have just 140 calories, 17 whole grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. So, the perfect pick-me-up any day, especially after a workout. If you're starting to get active, getting that beach bod, you want to have a brownie batter built puff afterwards to try to recuperate and rebuild those muscles. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah. So it's interesting to say, you know, that there's not a ton of advantage creation. And, and uh, I guess actually, you know what, before we, before we get any further, like if you were going to just like layman's term to find that for people listening that that hear advantage creation and are like the hell is that like what yeah. how would how would you define that for people that are listening that that how, yeah i like, mean how do you how do you create a a how do you get by your guy whether that is with mm-hmm. attacking closeouts whether that's off the dribble whether that is off pick and roll the idea of, man, of advantage creation is just can you create downhill situations where defenses have to rotate so you know when you think of like john wall it like you, it takes five dudes to keep to keep prime john wall away from the room He's not always going to to get directly there. It'll be a kick out before, but a defense has to change its shape because John Wall has the ball in his hands. Um, you know uh, that is something that this like Knicks team has really struggled for. Is that like they just don't get easy shots, especially easy shots at the rim out of self creation or you know the pushing downhill. Yeah, yeah, I, and and I'm totally in agreement there. I think R.J. Barrett has shown within the confines of his game to be able to do that to some degree. Um, same with Emmanuel quickly, but there isn't that like, I mean, quickly sort of does it with his pace and it, and is able to sort of just like slowly, but surely like, like if, if John wall is a, is like, or if prime John wall is like a bullet out of a gun, like quickly is like a, I don't even know, like a skipping stone. Like, yeah. You know, and he, it's also, it's also one of the things like that, that marginal advantage creations. Like if that's, that is nice to have if he's like the prime like it, it's a positive if he's like the number one guy in a in a second unit right mm-hmm. but if he's the third guy on first unit you're doing you're in a great place mm-hmm. like if he can work on the third defenders if he can attack second side actions if he can you know respond to to defenses that are rotating towards him in a closeout now he's really you know really he can you know gain basically an extra half step um, because the defense is coming from a place of having to change shape so I think that, like, when I think of this next roster, it's just having one player who can make life a little bit easier for other ones. That's that's probably the, the most simple way of saying advantage creation. And there's not really the guy who makes everything easier. And, I mean, going back to, like, the Atlanta series, that was, to me, like, the clearest issue. It wasn't, like, shots being made, people playing poorly or not poorly. It's just, the, like, it feels like a slog. And everybody, you know, will, will get theirs, but it will never feel simple and it will never be simple to the point that that other people can eat off that simplicity 
So, so I'm going to just like throw, you mentioned that there were some guys that you thought maybe had potentially some advantage creation, you know, pretend potential out of, uh, out of, you know, the, the guys that could potentially be in the next range. I'm going to throw three names at you to start with, and we'll be throwing a, n- a number of different guys at you. Um, you know, just sort of get your opinion on these dudes, but out of, uh, these are like three like guard wing type dudes that could potentially be available to the Knicks. Uh, Benedict Matherin, Dyson Daniels, Johnny Davis. If you're going to go through those guys, are any of those three ones that you feel like could potentially have a little more to offer in the pros than what they did in college as far as that goes? Yeah. Um, so I would say like they're, they're, pretty that they're very different circumstances all three of them i think uh, davis is um is like the the easiest one to start with because he had a like watching the wisconsin really asked john davis to do everything like he his numbers were somewhat damaged by the context he was in um because he had to create against a set defense every single possession um, he has a really like I think for quick first step and a really interesting last step. Um, but he is probably more of a combo guard in like the sort of uh, usage style of quickly. Um, it's not the exact same thing. He's you know a, a probably more effective overall basketball athlete than than quickly is. Um, but sort of has the same like eighteen footer good floater touch. You know uh, uses his, uh, uses his chest to finish around the rim. Um, Unlike quickly, he's not like uh, uh, an extraordinary shooter. Uh, this is his first real year uh, shooting off, um, you know, shooting at real volume. But defensively, uses his strength really well. Um, is is like I would say a pretty like in terms of his defensive mold is is very uh, similar to RJ and like that's where his the way that he uses his chest as a defender, the way that he wants to funnel, um, the way that he can. Uh, give skinnier wings a specific type of trouble um, is something that I think would be appealing to the Knicks. I don't necessarily think that he's the guy uh, as like the advantage bet, but I think if you're, if you are a person who believes that RJ Bear has one more like rung to bump on, on easy buckets, then I think John Davis would make a lot of sense. Um, and also like the, the shooting development is something that I do believe in uh, broadly speaking, just cause like it's it seems pretty easy to segment or unsegment is his jumper. And then um, in terms of someone like Dyson Daniels, I think where I get caught up with Daniels and I I think I feel almost better about it after what you just said about all the guys who could potentially um, go ahead of him. And if if he were to fall to the Knicks is that I I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't think there's a world where he is like that number one guy for the Knicks, but he seems like the guy, like if you have that dude and and maybe similar to what you were saying about Johnny Davis, like if RJ Barrett becomes that guy who like is that automatic advantage creator, which is projecting a lot of improvement forward for him. He is an ideal candidate to play off of that. And obviously just gives them like, they're just also very much. And and this is to your point, PD, just one of the least athletic teams in the league. And he presumably provides an injection of that. Um, But how do you think he would do and fit with the current Knicks score? Yeah, I think Dyson is is funny positionally because like he's a connecting like he's a listed as a point guard. He is about like six eight in shoes now. Um, he like is a point guard in the same way that like Alex Caruso is kind of a point guard, where it's like they don't you don't you know you're not looking at them and saying like this is just like John Stockton. 
but they make quick decisions. They use their motor. They don't really have a ton of usage, and the they have is really specific. Um, I think Dyson um, doesn't have like the movement skills I would really look for to be like a uh, a guy who can like run like spam pick and rolls over and over and over again because I just like I don't think his flexibility is is particularly good. Um, and that could just be a function of of him, you know, growing like four inches, five inches over the last two years or so. Um, but he just doesn't. He seems to me like a guy who's more likely to be like stridy, um, in sort of the cam reddish way than like a guy who is really quick in and out of moves. And it, it sort of presents a different sort of athleticism than how a lot of the Knicks, uh, like ball handlers, sort of move. Yeah. So, so speaking of different types of athleticism, to get to the final guy. Which I, I I did like the the scouting report on Daniels. He's he's admittedly probably my favorite guy that could be in the Knicks range, just because I I don't know something about those tall guards the last few years. I've I've loved them, and not one of them has has disappointed me yet. Uh, particularly ones that were either from or played in Australia. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask you too about Matherin. You know, you, you talk about athleticism that maybe is on a different level than what some guys on the Knicks have. And I, I do agree. I think other than like Obi Toppin, which is probably why Obi stands out so much to Knicks fans. And I guess Jericho Sims too, but the, on the guards and wings, the Knicks do not and have not had a like super explosive dude since like J.R. Smith. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and you know, even he like only used it sparingly, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't really looking to, you know, dunk all the time and that sort of thing. It was just something he would like bring out every once in a while to get some oohs and ahs. I, I look at Matherin and I'm like, I think he might be a, a next level up. And maybe I'm a little too starry eyed from some of the highlights, like the big poster in the in the NCAA tournament and stuff. But I look at him and I'm just like, I feel like that's a very athletic dude uh, on a level that some guys on the Knicks aren't. Do you, would you agree with that? And do you think that, you know, he could potentially give them something good in that department for a team that kind of is lacking that like explosive athlete on the wing? Yeah, I would say he's a good, like to me, I, w- I would say like Johnny Davis is sort of a more variant type of athlete than what Matherin is, Matherin is like relative to where the Knicks are um, just because of like the way that his first step works in it. Um, and like Johnny Davis is not like a dude who's putting people on posters left and right. Um where like Matherin, I think has more of like the finishing athleticism, but like the general movement skill stuff is not like as uh, explosive in and out of moves. I mean, Matherin is a guy who like at at a glance um, was was pretty efficient. I think that one of the things that like stands out to me is he's a guy who like should be in a more compacted role um, than what he was asked to do in Arizona. Um, I think that there was a, a a want to have him sort of like be a guy who just like was a mega usage creator. And that's not really how his game works. It's it's taking you know a Chris Middleton is is a like a, a, a heightened example. But the idea of like where Chris Middleton was his first couple of years in the league, where you take the shots that you're good at and you slowly expand outwards from your game. Um, he's not a guy who can just throw a ton of usage at. Um, and I think that he's more of a component decision maker. Um, especially through pick and rolls than a guy who can just like walk through every single read. All right, guys, we're going to pop back one final time talk about my favorite wing prospect in this draft, Malachi Branham, and why he could have a little bit more upside as a creator and playmaker than you might think. But first, we got to tell you, if we're, we're talking about bets you could take in the draft, if you want to make some IRL real money bets, 
There's only one place to do that. It's our partners at BetOnline as they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Alex, I took that advice seriously. I headed to the website. I was like, what odds do I want to bet on? Um, again, I'm looking at those NBA Finals exact outcomes. Uh, I'm still pretty sure the Boston Celtics are going to get through. I'm very sure at this point that the uh, Golden State Warriors are going to get through. So those are the main two I was looking at. Um, the Celtics to beat the Warriors are pretty good odds. It's plus 310. Uh, so you can make a lot of money on that. I still think the Celtics are the best team. I'm a little worried that they're just the most tired team, but I'd, I'd throw a little money down on that. Um, so remember to head to bet online. It's where the game starts. Right. And... Where are you at in general on the Knicks taking a potential wing? This is something that Alex and I have bounced back on, and it's why, like, when when we hear talk of the Knicks just flat out trading out of this draft, like, it doesn't strike me as insane because it seems likely that Evan Fournier is coming back. It seems likely that Alec Burks is coming back. Obviously, you have R.J. Barrett. You have Quentin Grimes. Cam Reddish flashed a little bit before getting hurt. He's someone I, I at least, and I think Alex is in agreement with me, would like to get more of a look at before giving up on, after giving up a first round pick for him. And to me, the the logical answer here is like the vets are just pretty irrelevant to the Knicks long-term future. And I would be okay moving off them. So you could mm-hmm. fit in a rookie wing into this rotation. But do you think, I mean, if, if you were running the Knicks, would, would those types of guys be part of your decision making like god like how could, could we even play a matherin right away could we even play a dyson daniels right away or would you just kind of say like oh you know what the vets don't really matter let's move off of them as quickly as possible and, and figure out a spot for these guys yeah i mean obviously this is a difficult exercise with just having partial information um yeah. i think that guys like matherin are in a lot of ways like matherin just doesn't make mistakes really like he's just uh cut from a a, a cloth that is like less rookie-ish <laughs> Then, um, you know, like somebody like Johnny Davis, for example, came from a, a make stuff happen environment. So, you know, he's going to just require a bit of, you know, rewiring, a bit of retuning and, and a a smaller usage where a smaller, more specific usage where like Matherin is much more plug and play. I think that ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to like between the two Julius Randall seasons, which one is closer to the real thing. And like, if you think it's closer to last season, then like. You know, you, you, this project is probably not returned to, to the playoffs and you need to try to find the player that you believe uh, makes the next, you know, is a rotation player on the next next playoff team. If you think that this was an aberration, then you try to find the person who can contribute the most and recognizing that, like, you know, weird stuff happens. So I think that they're ultimately going to lean towards, uh, I think that the Julius Randle, oh, sure the Julius Randle, playoff or the Julius Randall trade market is probably more determinative of that than your evaluation. Like if the Julius Randall market is nothing, then like you kind of have to just take whatever helps the franchise most, where obviously if it's, it's a hot, you have a little bit more, you have a little bit more maneuverability. Um, the other thing I'll say is that like this draft has a ton of wings, like it has a lot of really variant wings and they're, it's not impossible for me to see a circumstance where people are really trying to trade up from, you know, the twenties to like where the Knicks are to get a specific wing that they like more than anybody else. Um, whether that's, you know, like Matherin's teammate, Dale and Terry or uh, Jalen Williams had a, a, a phenomenal um, pre-draft process. 
So like, there's going to be guys that just like shoot up because of how uh, dense in wings this draft is, and how like they're they're pretty across the board um, in terms of style. So guys are just going to leap up in certain teams' evaluations, and that can be a hot ticket if you're willing to be patient with uh, playing that all the way down until the clock starts ticking. So there's another guy that I wanted to bring up that goes with that wing class. And I know Gavin's a huge fan of him. So maybe the wrong person is asking this question, but um, I'm actually like, I won't say I'm lukewarm. I see all the appeals. My, my only issue is that I wonder a bit with this particular guy, if the Knicks already sort of have him in many ways with Quentin Grimes and how much overlap there would be. Now, granted, you can't have too much shooting uh, and that sort of thing. So, you know, maybe you just go with it. But uh, the guy I'm talking about is Malachi Branham, who I think is a really good shooter. Uh, but I I think maybe more so than any of those other guys that we just talked about, he's the guy that, to me, at least looking at him, probably is, is the least likely to have like sort of that advantage creation anytime soon, if at all. Um, so what's your take on Branham and like, how would you, how would you approach that? If you're a team like the Knicks, like, do, do you kind of just like, if, if you think he's best player available is, is it just like, well, you can't have too much shooting. So just take him. Or do you just kind of be like, all right, maybe we'll look for a trade partner because maybe there's like, uh, you know, a different player, three, four picks down that we could take that, you know, would give us a, a little better of a, uh, 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 a little better skill set to to meld with what we have when we already have a guy like a Quentin Grimes on the roster that is a knockdown spot up shooter and you know can play great defense. Um so I would say that this draft is very 2013-ish in that like this is going to be a vindicated by history draft. And like if you believe that you have like the best player who will work the best in your system, like you kind of can't worry about on somebody's board or like where you know an nfl style like value chart plays out um and like in drafts that are very flat which is another way of saying like where uh if you hand it to a person who like had only watched espn the day before would like be right so like in some drafts that's one pick and some drafts that's like 12 picks where it's just like oh these are the 10 best players 12 best players and this year there's like, kind of like a three or four and then at five people start shaking like it, there's not a lot of like pick number five in a lot of ways, maybe the scariest place to be. Um, and so in drafts like that, I think that there's much more of a go with your scouting department, go with your development system, go with your plans for the future. So I would be, I think Malachi Brandon might actually have a better chance to create advantage um, than Dyson would. I believe in his, uh, his overall like movement stuff a little bit better. Also just like him being super young does really help. Um, and also he's a, just a world's better shooter than Dyson was. Um, he shot almost, I think he shot 45% in big 10 play. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 52, 45, 80, uh, in, in big. Um, and, uh, like the, the form's a little bit slow. He doesn't have a ton of burst or wiggle to separate, but he wins on strength on playing with like not pace, but like playing at the tempos between very slow and very, very slow. Um, and just having good touch. Uh, that does undercut his good finishing numbers a bit. Cause there's not really volume, but when you're in, in a draft that just has a bunch of wings, if you're going to like say, Hey, I'm going to take a guy who's on a really positive development curve, who, uh, 
like has a ton of confidence as a shooter, has you know little things to clean up, especially like I think off the dribble shot making from three, um, who has good ideas as a passer, um, has a whole bunch of, of interesting uh, pass attempt styles. A lot of times you'll see young uh, wing playmakers who throw the same pass over and over again. Um, that sort of seems like a fair thing to bet on. So to me, I think like Branham is is not high upside in the way that like usually those are guys who like, look like J.R. Smith, or it's just like you know a mutant athlete who you know uh, can gives you like wow plays all the time. Where Malachi is a bit more deliberate in the way that he wins, but I think that this may be one of the more upside plays that just doesn't necessarily blend in with the conversation about advantage creation. Yeah, I mean, I just I, the reason I'm such a big fan of him is like I I love the way he could fit with quickly and Obi, and we saw as the Knicks season went on, um, and and those guys got more minutes, and and obviously like the caveat there is they they largely went against worse defenses and some teams not really playing for anything, but there were small moments where I mean to your point like quickly and Obi like not able to create those those massive advantages as individuals just through like their mind meld and their cohesion were able to create pretty big gaps in defense and and trigger like just through their two-man game like open shooters and Branham again this is this is mostly off of watching highlights so could be could be off the mark he seems like someone who would fit in pretty well in that and just sort of making the next play and making the next pass and and also being a great payoff option as a shooter um and I think that that intrigues me from a Knicks perspective but all right, guys, that is it for this episode with the fantastic PD Webb. But fear not, uh, we, we kept him on the line for another 40 or so minutes uh, to continue talking about the 2022 draft and a quick preview of the 2023 draft, particularly why Victor Wembanyama is the best prospect in the last 50 years. That sounds like an outlandish statement, but when you hear PD explain why, uh, you will get it and you'll understand why it would be really cool if uh, if Adam Silver could pull a David Stern and, and freeze another envelope and get the next the number one pick next year. That probably won't happen, but it would be awesome. Uh, so we'll get into that next time on Lockdown Next. But until then, be good. We'll talk to you all soon.